1: Do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today. We are joined by two of Believe's finest. That's right. We got Maddie Perkins and Jake Crane joining the show. So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back.
2: We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. One.
0: clock five.
2: Pass is
0: intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History, three-pointed. Oh! Tie game! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Bases loaded. Two out. right.
1: We're back, baby. It's the Charity try pitch your free throws because they're free. sode 311, coming hot at you guys, and sowed 310. And I'm joined on this one by Alex Tossman-The-Rock-Disopolis, Nikki snacks Kreider, Matt Perkins, and Jake Crane, two other awesome Believe hosts. These guys completely throw it down. We're stoked for you guys to hear the show. But before we get into the actual episode, we got to remind you guys that we are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Put all your money down, win all your money back, and some that's right go to betonline.ag 2x yamula you can bet on anything and you can get a welcome bonus so do not hesitate head to betonline.ag and without further ado please enjoy our show all right, you heard an hour introduction. We're joined on this one by two of Believe's finest. We have Jake Crane from the J-Boy Show and Matty Perkins from Believe and Vandy Football. Gents, how are we doing?
2: Um, and I'm doing fantastic. Anytime I can hop on
0: uh, here and chat it up with the Believe boys, I'm ready for it. Yeah. yeah, you know what, man? I'm doing great. I am just starting a new job working from home, so uh, life's good.
1: The work-from-home life, man. We, we've worked from home from before the pandemic, so we were well used to it and, and well locked <laughs> in. We were well locked in beforehand, so no complaints there, man. Uh, welcome to it. It's nice. Cook when you want. Yeah, if anyone
3: needs, anyone needs any advice, we're here to give advice for uh, work-from-home people.
1: Full tips from home. Yeah, (laughs) we'll do it for another podcast. Uh, Gents, we all love sports across the board, despite what we cover. But college football is a big one for all of us here. Um, Jake and Matt, you specifically. A big issue, at least the three of us felt and have been feeling kind of, is that it's getting a little stale in college football. We're already heading in to another season, and we're asking ourselves, okay, can anyone realistically beat Alabama? Can anyone realistically knock off Clemson? And who in the Big 12 is going to take OU? Because you know three of us are Texas boys, but when push comes to shove, it's the same thing year in and year out. And Crane, we'll start with you, man. Then we'll go to you, Matt. What can they do? Do they need to do anything? Because I know you have some feelings about about the playoffs. And... Is there a team that can really contend with them, barring no change in the playoffs next year?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, to me, it's one of the biggest questions. I mean, you look at the ratings, uh, we've kind of seen the same movie over and over again. But my thing is this, I want to make sure before I go into this, people understand that I am not saying you punish success. This is not Alabama's fault. This is not Ohio State's fault. It's not Clemson's fault. It's actually a compliment to them. Uh, But if you look, out of the 28 games played in the college football playoff, 22 of them are from the same five teams. So words like stale, boring. I, w- I wouldn't say, because it's great ball. And listen, I really do think the best team has won the national championship pretty much every year since the playoffs started. Yeah. But I go back, because this all and everything in college football goes back to recruiting. And in order, because there's not a quick fix, you're not going to be able to say, okay, Alabama, we are, we're going to take half your personnel. This isn't the NFL where you can trade guys and do stuff like that. So it all goes back to rec- recruiting, especially up front. So my plan And, you know, it's when I'm going on a crusade here soon is I think you expand it to eight. Uh, because anything past eight to me, I think you start getting in the territory of watering down the regular season, which is something you don't want to do. I think eight actually makes some of some games, if you're in Auburn or a Texas A&M or an LSU and you know, you're know you on the bubble per se, now we could say that with eight teams. Now that game against Kentucky at the end of the year matters way more than if you're already out of the race. Now that game against a, a lowly Vanderbilt team, you've got to not only play well and huh. you win, you've got to beat them badly. And really, you know, I think all four of us right now, five of us could go play Mandy and give him a shout. I'm sorry, Matt. It's just how it is. <laughs> By the way, thanks for Derek Mason, my friend. It's really going to help. But when I look at it, I think the way it could work is like this. Because if you look at the end of this year, the four teams that got in, say what you want about Notre Dame. I'm not a huge fan. I wish they wouldn't just opt out of the EA Sports Game. I wish they'd opt out of the playoffs. I'm tired of watching them get shoved in a locker every time they walk into high school. But uh, at the end of the day, You have got to be able to go in the living rooms of these recruits and say, listen, four-star offensive lineman, five-star defensive end. uh, We have a chance to make the playoff, too, because kids nowadays, this isn't 20 years ago, where you go to the school that you grew up rooting for. All these kids and their families think they're going to go to the NFL, and they want to be put in a position where the kid will have the most eyes on them because that tape that the scouts look at in the playoffs – is huge. It could be the difference between you going in the second round and you going in the first round, which is a big difference of money. So what I believe you have to do is get more parity in recruiting. How do you do that? You add four more teams that can go in that living room and say, hey, listen, it's not just Alabama anymore. It's not just Clemson. It's not just Ohio State. Look at us at Texas A&M. We're in the playoff last year. And while they're probably not going to win it, it may still be Alabama and Clemson. uh, You're giving it a chance. I think you have a top 25 for the power five a top 25 for the group of five the team that finishes number one in the group of five gets that eighth seed uh and you put the seven best teams in uh outside of that because again let's think about it guys at the end of the year who had the two biggest gripes i would say texas a and m and oklahoma was playing really well especially late well they
1: caught fire after the first three games no it matters you're you're forgetting
0: (laughs) someone jake you're forgetting someone jake who am i forgetting cincinnati well, I mean, they lost to Georgia when Georgia had half their roster. And, again, I'm saying but – that, But that was in the Cincinnati, postseason. I'm saying you said at the end of the regular season who had the biggest right? At the end of the regular season, Cincinnati had the biggest so Cincinnati would grade. be the eighth seed. Cincinnati
2: would have finished probably finished number one in that group of five, correct? Mm-hmm. So, therefore, they're the eighth seed. Now, listen, they're probably not going to win it. But you're going to no yeah. longer have the argument of we're excluded and this, that, and the other. And that way a team like Texas A&M, a team like Oklahoma can get in there. And right now, they're not beating Alabama. They're not beating Clemson. But two recruiting cycles down the road, three recruiting cycles down the road, when they bring in some of these linemen, that's where you have a chance. Because the game is won and lost up front.
1: Yeah. Perkins?
0: I think the question of is the NCAA too boring is needs to be parsed out. Is the college football playoff too boring? And is college football as a whole too boring? Is the college football playoff too boring? Yes. Yes, we need to expand to a team. I think we, we, we've already gotten there. But I don't think the entire product of college football itself is too boring. No, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. It is. I think we're actually placing way too much emphasis on the CFP. Every weekend, we have a million great games. We have great storylines, intrigue. Even in this weird, bizarre COVID season that we just had, yeah, we had some awesome stories. Coastal Carolina. Great. Who saw that coming? That BYU team. That was so much fun. That BYU. game.
1: That game was awesome. That,
0: that Coastal Carolina BYU game. And as much as I despise the school, Liberty was a great story. Yeah. yeah. And if the rivalries, the passion, the pageantry, the, all that stuff that goes along with college football, that's not boring at all. So is the college kind of football playoff boring? Yes, absolutely. Am I am I sick of seeing the same three teams win 17 out of 21 games in the college football playoff? Yes, I am. And you know, especially as a Wisconsin fan that I am, I am perpetually <laughs> frustrated that we will never beat Ohio State. Ever. It doesn't matter even with the greatest recruiting classes that we've ever had, we're never we're not going to beat them. So we need an expanded playoff, yes, but also one of the things that at least I I'm a little bit older than you guys. So I, you know, I have you know, very strong memories of bowl season when it was still bowl season pre BCS. Yeah. And when, when, when I was growing up, New Year's Day, watching the Rose Bowl, watching, uh, you know, and watching just down there with the orange bowl, the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day, watching the Cotton Bowl, and sort of having that be the end of the season and not necessarily needing to decide, like, have to have that, this 14 playoff, because the 14 playoff is the worst of both worlds mm-hmm. it's almost worse than the bcs in many ways because what it does is it pretty much completely <clears throat> bastardizes all of the bowl games that are not the three cfp games <clears throat> all these I, dudes are, are opting out right and i understand like i i can empathize with that if i'm going to be a first second third round pick i don't want to go out there in an exhibition game effectively and get my acl torn jake up. butt man yeah but at the same time you know, from a fan's perspective, yeah, like we want to see them go out there and play. Like, did I watch bowl games this year? Of course, I watch bowl games this year. I'm a college football fan. I'm an addict. If you're a college football fan, you are an addict, and you are going to watch mm. college football in any way, shape, and form that you can get it. I was glued to my TV Saturday watching FCS. You know, my my other show, Illegal Motion, we're, we're all we're doing is talking FCS right now. It's awesome. I love it. I love having spring football, even if it's this diminished version of it because it's college football. So I think that the product overall of College football is not boring. I think the college football playoff is, and I think we need to separate the two in order to have a more productive discussion about
4: it. I I mean, I definitely think that there are so many things about the the old system and and what bowl games meant to not only college football fans who are diehard college football fans like you're talking about, Matt, but the people who are on the fringe, right? Who now become involved with all of the bowl games because in the same way that, and we'll get into this in a second about March Madness, but... People come to March Madness who have no idea what happens during the regular season, and are still incredibly interested. They bet because we've gamified it in this way where people who don't know the sport can get involved. Yeah, it becomes that much wider of an audience, right? That you're appealing to, and that's kind of how it felt. I mean, how many different college bowl game pickums were there way back in the day, and now there still are. But am I interested in joining them? Not really, not really. Because what do they mean? So
3: yeah, I I completely agree. the other thing is, it's so hard to evaluate these games because, like you mentioned earlier, Matt, that guys opt out, and it's like, okay, in the regular season, maybe this team is favored by seven points, but during the bowl game, half their team's already opted out, so they're the underdog there. So it's like, Florida. exactly, like a Florida that yeah, happened Florida, this year,
0: Oklahoma this year. What is, is that exactly? So exactly. A, so I mean, one, that takes one. away
3: that takes away the interest for a lot of gamblers. I feel, and that could have been it a should, good game it, too, it should
0: because there's way less certainty.
3: That should be one that
1: should probably have been the best game or one of the best games if, the, if people
2: don't opt out.
1: That realistically yeah, should have definitely. been. And you know what? Well, the,
2: if it was the six versus seven seed imagine if that was the six seven game with Oklahoma. 4. you don't get opt outs because what's happening is you're gonna this not only is this happening but that national image and likeness it's coming and it's about to change it even more. If it's me, if I'm these bowl games and I get national image and likeness, yeah, they get bowl gifts, but if I'm trying to discourage opt-outs, why wouldn't I promise incentives to the team that won? Every player that won gets $1,500 or something yeah, like that. Course. You will have guys that that you know make, make that decision. And again, I'm using that number. I know that's not a big number, but you get a number, and some of these guys are going to want to do it. There's ways to do it. My thing is, and I think Matt's exactly right, the regular season, I think you got to protect the regular season more than anything when we're talking about this because of the rivalries and the passion because more than eight waters it down yeah. but at the end of the day and it like i said it may still be alabama and clemson but now with eight teams wow people want to watch the valero alamo bowl where the eight seed is playing the one seed even though you know cincinnati is going to get destroyed by alabama it just gives us a chance for maybe a boise state oklahoma moment and i look at the health of the sport because the ratings were not good in the college football play this year Dad. just like the super bowl they were not good at all and you don't have people showing up to that stadium they're at home. So for the overall health of the sport, because what is there, guys? 12 teams that can win the national championship in reality that
0: really honestly have a chance to win the national. 12 maybe if bit. Generous. Team. If that, 12, yeah. 12, I mean, I think even 12 is high. I, I think I think uh, at 10 or less. Like, I well, I mean, look- I, th- I think if you look at, at
2: the whole, I mean, you look at the SEC alone, I mean, you've had LSU win, you've had Florida win, you've had Auburn win, you've had Alabama win, Georgia's been really close, that's five right there. Texas will always have a chance, especially with what I think Sarkeesian's doing, you look at Oklahoma, you look at Ohio State, to me, to be honest with you, Matt, if I'm a Wisconsin fan, I want this 18 playoff more than anything. Well, yeah,
0: obviously I want 18 playoff, because we would have made it, like, four like- Four of the last nine years, or something like that. If it was an eighteen playoff, like they're always lurking, like right outside. When they beat uh, Miami in the Orange Bowl three years ago, they were twelve and zero going to the Big Ten title game against Ohio State, and they, you know, they lost in a one score game against Ohio State. They were as good as Mm. any team in the country that year, but Mm. you know, and, and also like the Russell Wilson year. Right? Yeah, the same kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, that was I mean, that's 10 years ago now, but it's the same thing. I was at that Rose Bowl. Yeah, they lost to Oregon, but that was a crazy good Oregon team, too. I mean, so we
1: lost we lost. There's a couple seasons. I remember one year it was Darnold's last year that Penn State USC game was one of the best college football games I've seen. And had that imagined that was like the four or five. And mm-hmm. Speaking of, though, we mentioned the teams that could be in it, and none of them are Pac-12 teams. We could kind of tailor this into March Madness. I mean, is the Pac-12 dying? Are we seeing a death, a major death of a conference? Because in college basketball, it's USC. I mean, people try to hype up Oregon. They don't really have much to hold a candle to. Arizona State was supposed to be something special. One of my preseason favorite teams, they completely blew it. Is the Pac-12 dying?
0: in basketball or in general just in general man football and right, well in basketball. general don't count out Oregon uh Mario Cristobal is recruiting like a maniac
1: mm-hmm.
0: and as, as Jake will tell you recruiting is the lifeblood of any program and Cristobal is recruiting really well flow yeah we've so seen Oregon it football in in two years I think will be at, at will be a notch above two notches above everyone else in the Pac-12 because of the way he's been re- recruiting and I... sorry what'd you
2: say Jake no, I'm saying I agree with you 100%. I think at the end of the day, Oregon's going to overtake USC, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I thought Larry Scott was terrible as a commissioner. I'd rather have Michael Scott running the conference <laughs> than Larry Scott and him. But, you know, fine. I look, and if I'm a conference like the AAC, which they are with Mike Orasco, who's one of the best commissioners, a younger guy who's hungry, the AAC is going to try and take that spot. I'm telling you, look at the teams in there, UCF, Memphis, uh, yeah. Cincinnati, SMU. And you look at the depth. yeah yep. look at the depth in that league and they're built they're adding facilities they're really starting to do a ton in advertising even in a down year UCLA's athletic department I think just lost 40 million
0: dollars because at the end of the day 100,000 uh, people yeah. aren't showing up to watch college tennis like I hate to break that tip, yeah well so he and he, here's what I'll tell you I, I've got a paper right behind me on the wall it says I attended UCLA and I I have a degree from there right behind <laughs> me I, I I love the Bruins don't get me wrong I went to I had season tickets for all the sports when I was there. UCLA football at the Rose Bowl is broken. It's impossible to get there if you are a student in Westwood. So far. You have to take a bus. It takes an hour and a half. It's impossible to get to
1: anywhere get in there. California. Like in the Los Angeles, like California area, for me to get to the I had to go to a tow company today that's quote unquote ten minutes on Google Maps takes like it's third not 10 minutes. minutes. Not two minutes.
0: Yeah. It it's it, it, it's a joke. But mm-hmm. The 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 Pac-12 as a whole, they, you know, they, they count themselves the Conference of Champions, right? That's their whole thing over the Conference of Champions or the Conference of Champions. Yeah, well, you, your championships are in like water polo and swimming and diving. Bro. It's a joke. Right? It's like saying
1: Burger King's got the best, you know, hamburger. Like still, yeah, like you know, it's maybe absolutely just the Burger. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it's absolute Loserville.
0: So, the, the, do they have some great sports? Yeah, like UCLA gymnastics is amazing. Yes, UCLA right. women's gymnastics is so phenomenal. Yeah. That's the best show in the city of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, frankly, baseball, Pac-12 baseball, not SEC baseball, but it's probably the second best. It's the it's the second best baseball conference, but they're not. That's not bringing in revenue like football and basketball are or you know or have in the past and i think that ucla still thinks that like they're the school of john wooden i'm sorry dude like john wooden left like more than 40 years ago like he's been he's been gone god rest his soul Mm -hmm. for a while now yeah his
2: pyramids older are older than the ones in egypt they need to figure it out it's like really do it's
1: like the jets and and joe namath it's like what are we doing
2: here
0: you know to quote uh to uh, to quote the vampire rick Patino, Kevin Love and walking through that door, Russell Westbrook and <laughs> walking through that door. And, you know, they had the one Lonzo season, which was fun. Very don't get me basketball. wrong. But I don't think UCLA basketball is building anything sustainable at the moment. Right, And I don't think that there is and, and Arizona's just all over the map. I mean, they're going to they're, they're getting hit by sanctions, they're getting like He
1: stinks as a coach though. He's a great he is a great recruiter. <laughs> yeah. Not a good X and O guy.
3: We thought he was so, getting fired like two years ago. He should
1: have been. He said the the yeah. market, the marketing team that won the Pac-12 pff, underperformed. Yep.
3: The the eight team,
1: the eight, I think the eight team lost in the first round. Then you're the number one yeah, pick. Yeah, no, hey, what are you doing?
0: Bo- mean, to be fair, uh, to be fair, LSU had the number one pick, and Ben Simmons didn't even make the tournament. Had a losing record. That so. is true yeah, as Georgia, well. Like Georgia last year. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. So, but think, those
4: those teams are also not touted as, but basketball. You know program, the elite, yeah. the oh, elite college I don't, I don't basketball I don't, I don't programs, and you had other is. guy.
1: They had, Arizona had other guys on top of Aiton as well, though. I mean, right. these this Georgia team, Anthony Edwards Long picked trade. it, and then yeah, and, and and exactly, and Ben Simmons picked LSU, and we're kind of like, I mean, LSU now is better, and Georgia's actually having a nice season this year. But when they picked those teams, we're kind of like, okay, what are you doing? Because there's no way in hell you'll be competing for a national championship. Whereas Aiton goes to Arizona, and we're like. This should be a team that's Final Four at the worst, Elite Eight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what well, me?
2: and I, I look for at the me. Pac-12, and I always start with football because we talk about revenue. And I look around that league, and there is nobody outside of Oregon because Mario Cristobal got the blueprint from guess who, Nick Saban at Alabama, and mm-hmm. he understands how to structure it. They've got all the money in the world there, even though I think Phil Knight does a lot more just for facilities. Uh, than anything else. I think he does try and keep his hand out of a little bit. Now, we'll see what happens with that national image and likeness because that's going to make things pretty interesting. But nobody in the Pac-12 scares me at all. There's not one team that scares me in the Pac-12 outside of maybe Oregon when they have the right guy at quarterback. And you look at the SEC and, and, I mean, look at the Big 12. You look at the ACC, even though the ACC is pretty top-heavy, there are teams that you go in there and you're like, okay, these guys are elite. I look at the Pac-12 and they're like the JV team. So I'm just wondering at what point, the AAC, because I know they see the opportunity. They want to come in and grab that spot. And I would not be surprised if we saw the Pac 12 just kind of fade in the distance.
3: Well, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, you're talking me, about there's a couple of things that I think, you know, put Pac 12 in that place. And it's one, being on the West Coast, right? on the West Coast, it's hard yes. for people on the East Coast to watch the games that are at nighttime, right? It, when the game starts at 7 o'clock on the West Coast, it's 10 o'clock on the East Coast. We all know that. So that's always going to be hard, especially for recruiting, because a lot of these guys, they want to get national exposure, right? They want to come to a big school. They want to be on the primetime games. They want to get scouted by NFL teams. They want to build their brands at a young age. And so that's why being in the SEC is way more beneficial, and the competition is higher. Now, I also think that they always cannibalize each other, right? Every season, it's like okay, we got one big dog like in Oregon, or even sometimes Stanford has a has a good starting season. But at the end of the year, those guys always have two losses, three losses, and we're talking about okay, it's going to be a two or three loss champion of the Pac-12, right? And that's just not that's just not going to happen. You know, you're not going to get to the college playoff that way ever. Now, to your point, Jake, I do think that Oregon is far and away the best team in that conference, and they have the brightest future. And I think that for that conference to really survive, they need Oregon to go to the top. They need that type of team like to become an Alabama, to become a Clemson, right? Cause Clemson ACC, really is the model that they need. They're not that scary without Clemson, you know, Oh, without that's a doubt. what they need. So if Oregon can actually get to the top and they can start pulling five stars all across the pipeline of, of the Pacific coast. Right. And they can get those primetime games and they can make big bowl games and they can go undefeated in the pac 12. Right. Because that's the issue is that other teams beat them and they they lost to two teams last year. They right? lost to Oregon they, state. They, they lost Ugh. to Oregon state. Ugh. Exactly. It's not good. Brutal. It's not good for the conference at all.
4: Although, yeah. although from just a college football fan perspective, to see the Beavers win that rivalry game is is really awesome. But, it, but what does it Baby. mean? Like, I felt like I was the only one watching that game. Like, who else watched that game? <laughs> <laughs> or or to
3: become, you.
4: Boiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> become. Yeah. Become exactly basically. Yeah, I mean,
1: I. And if
0: there's if, any team in the Pac-12 that's going to do it, it's going to be them. I don't, I don't think, right. I don't, I think USC is. I don't, I don't know. If they're going to regain their glory anytime soon. Uh,
1: they need, they may need to make a change, man. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It may not be working for them as far as a head coach goes, right?
0: Yeah, but, the, yeah, absolutely. But the thing you asked us, you know, before the show, can anyone beat Gonzaga in Baylor?
1: Yeah, let's get into in it in
0: college hoops this year. Uh, yes. Okay. Have you looked at the strength of schedule for those two teams?
3: Yes. Well, Baylor's got a tough one. I mean, no, the,
0: they Big don't. 12, the Big 12 is a pretty. Baylor pretty has the 106th conference. ranked strength of schedule this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, all Gonzaga's the are so much right better now, at 104th.
1: Gonzaga's schedule is usually a cakewalk. And, and I, I'm with you more often than not. I just think the combination this team has with an exceptional guard in Jalen Suggs and a guy in Corey Kispert who. Has been there time and time again, and is absolutely shooting the lights out of the gym. I I think that it's more. I've not been more confident in the top two teams since I don't know, maybe like the Cat AD era. I'm really confident
0: in these guys. We're
1: like the Okafor Duke team. But I do agree with you. I think there are teams, and I'd love to hear who you think can take them down.
0: Yeah, I th- it's Michigan. To me, it's Michigan. Yeah.
3: Really? I was gonna say that.
0: Yeah, uh, to to me, it's it- it's Michigan. It's potentially if at his best, I think Luke Garza might be the best college basketball player in the country. He's not going to be a great NBA player, but Luke Garza might be the most unstoppable college basketball player in at, the Iowa. Country, <laughs> at Iowa. Yeah, and yeah. I think that the big 10 this year is so strong. Top to bottom. Big 10 basketball is absolutely brutal. Michigan has one loss. It was that really, weird blowout at Minnesota have any of you guys ever been to a game at Minnesota Do you guys I'm, know what that what that stadium is like I've never even no. been to that state it's weird it's got it's the floor is raised like it's it's like an elevated floor it's like uh they have the same thing like that is it it's, like vandy it's just like Vandy the benches on the ends yeah. raised floor it's a very strange place to play if you haven't been there before and we know that michigan you know that this was like right before they had a or right after they had a bunch of covet issues so i'm going to kind of throw that one out get rid of that one i think that michigan's combination of size uh, they're so big they're They're huge they're huge they're huge they're versatile they have wagner defense yeah and they're battle-tested man like they are battle-tested and I'm sorry, but like I've seen Gonzaga be like a one seed to two seed so many times, and make it the Final Four once. That's and that true. team had three NBA players starting for it. That's true. That, yep. that team had three NBA players for it: John Collins, and Rui Hachimura, and uh, who? He's like a, he's a guard for the Grizzlies now. I can't remember the name off of his top off the top of my head right now. But I, I just don't believe at the end of the day that Gonzaga is going to get there. I just yeah. I, I can't because I, I haven't seen it before, Baylor I I don't know I mean Baylor's crazy good, Baylor's mm-hmm. crazy good but again that that strength of schedule scares me like the Big Twelve you know is relatively down, you do not have a vintage Kansas team this year, you do not have um you but, know but but you've not got like to... either the Oklahoma. You've
4: got a good Go ahead, Texas guys. Tech team. You've got a good Texas team who are not usually, or at least in the last 10 years,
0: yeah, no, have not Texas been as good. competitive. Texas is very good this year. That Texas Tech team is that more, Tech more team rounds. is good, too.
1: That Tech yeah. team, the whole COVID thing, first of all, Beard is an excellent head coach. The whole Tech situation, there's a lot of De Silva, McClung. These guys are transfers. So they're still getting the feel for each other. Now, what Baylor has, and the thing, again, that Gonzaga has, sans Suggs, they've all been playing together for a long time it's a lot of upperclassmen and I think I will say this I think Baylor is less scary and I think the teams Villanova and Alabama I need to see what Alabama can do in the SEC tournament but you need to beat to beat Baylor you need to be able to eventually outshoot them and a team like Alabama who can shoot the lights out of the place and a team like Villanova who can keep up in that shooting spree I think they are the best chances
0: to overtake them and that's that's what I like about Iowa personally yeah when when I look when
2: I look at it I actually think this may be Mark Few's best team because again you look you know sometimes these team that teams that make a run in the NCAA tournament they may not have three NBA guys sometimes it's the team with those experienced guards and and I look and when I when I see Gonzaga play and you know again they've had years Matt I think you're exactly right where they've been a high-ranked seed and and had a weaker schedule but I look and they look like a complete team to me I think Jalen Suggs makes a huge difference he's a guy that now, if the offensive sets aren't working, if they're not doing well in transition, he can go one-on-one. Kisper's such a great threat from three. You can't really double anybody because if you don't put a hand in his face, I actually think Kisper's one of the best shooters uh, in college. I'm interested to see how it translates and see if he gets a shot in the league. But He's getting mocked in f- the lottery which is oh, crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, that kid's a witch. Yeah. Um, but you know, you look at some of their big men, uh, they're able, they rotate very well. They don't have any superstars down low, even though they did, did just get Chet Holmgren, who's an absolute unicorn. Uh, but when I look at Gonzaga, I, I think they play through each other. I think they don't panic. I think Suggs makes a big difference. I look at Baylor. We got to remember too, Baylor just had a bunch of time off. They weren't able to play games for a while. They come back, didn't look great against Iowa state, but they are physical as hell. They're long as hell. I think if they played played Michigan, it would be an absolute, fist fight between those two physicality I, I would love to just see the rebounding margin in that game but you yeah. know I do think uh, outside of Gonzaga and Baylor you look at Michigan I think Ohio State if they get hot uh can, can you know really be a problem for people I look at Villanova I never count out Jay Wright he knows that to coach in the tournament and Alabama here's my thing with Alabama Please. I look at their schedule. They have veteran guards with John Petty. You look at Shackelford. You look at Quinterly, Lee, the Villanova transfer. Herb Jones may be the best defensive player in basketball. One of them that's not over, you know, six eight or six nine. So and last active. year with Alabama, they they filled it up. They were able to make shots, but they didn't play defense. And when they weren't making shots you really saw it affect him on the defensive end. But Nato's hasn't played, not only defense out of sets, but they're playing transition defense as good as anybody. But I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think an SEC team's going to the Elite Eight. I really don't. I don't think the league has an elite team this year. Tennessee is falling apart. Oh, they Curry can't score. Tennessee can't score. And Tennessee can't score. Tennessee can't score. Well, because Fulkerson and Ponds haven't showed up. And when you're having to rely on freshmen, I don't care what Jaden Springer was ranked uh, in his first year. It's tough. So I would be very surprised to see a team outside of Gonzaga Baylor and Michigan make it, but we all know, guys, it's where you fall in the tournament. It's what region you're Always. in. Always, uh, because those regions were true. They put up the other day with Alabama, Oklahoma, Iowa, and Gonzaga, all in all, uh, making up one region. That's a problem, and somebody's going to knock somebody off pretty early.
4: Yeah. The one thing I'll say about Gonzaga is, you know, you mentioned Matt that the previous teams that we've seen, they haven't gotten all the way, right? And they've had three NBA NBA players on that roster. This team has five NBA players on their roster. This is, I, I agree with what you're saying, Jake. Like this is this is the best team that Fuse ever had. And I look at it and I'm like, he's an excellent head season coach, obviously. But again, like the competition is always pretty lackluster. What does it mean if he can't win with this cast of characters? I mean, he. when I look at a team that can go deep in college basketball, I look at a point guard who can control the game yes. and can step up and hit big shots when you need it a big man who you can feed the ball into the post, who can score as an interior and kick it out to guys who can shoot. Timmy. And then a guy on uh, on the wing who is basically your 3 and D guy who can come up and hit a, a, a big shot if you need it. Basically a shooter, right? And they have all three yeah, of all. those things. But then they also have Andrew Nembhard. And they the also bench. have Ayayi. Like, this team is so ridiculously deep. It might be the best. It's one of the best college basketball teams I've seen. Additionally, they played, they together. Pl- they played well together too on top of that. So I am... yeah. I've never been as high on a team as I have been on, on this Gonzaga team. And part of it, like you mentioned, Jake, is that Jalen Suggs is just so good. He's so damn good. I mean, and normally it's not that guy that's stepping up for your roster, but he's going to have to be if they go deep in the tournament. I mean, we're going to have to see De'Aaron Fox level performances from oh. him here and there. And that that's what makes the difference, not only getting hot at the right time, but that guy who can close games for you. And there's not many of them in college basketball.
1: Was De'Aaron the Luke May shot? Is am I remembering that correctly? Or is that a year the year apart? I'll have to check that. But uh Zach Norvell is your guy, Perkins, who made the league from that Zags team. Uh, look, I mean the Zags
0: Oh, I was thinking actually of, of uh Tilly.
1: Tilly. Okay. The Zags team and Clark is also a Grizzly. He's from uh Gonzaga as well. Look, the Zags made the final four last last tournament we had. We didn't have a tournament last year, they made the final four. Year before that, they made the Elite Eight. Year before that, they made the finals. He can get there. And I think the only issue is I remember we had that Virginia team before we were even on Believe when we had literally first started the charity stripe. That was the year that Virginia lost to the 16th seed. And everyone, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Gonzaga, but it really can be as good as your team is in any given Sunday type situation.
4: It's a different team.
1: I think think I'm with you. I think I'm team Gonzaga-Baylor. But a team, yeah. I think uh, the, the team that does uh, the tech team really scares me. If that tech yeah. team can get hot, they, shoot. they can. If they, yeah, if that tech team can get hot, that West Virginia team is physical, physical, and they get to the line. College, but it's going to be an interesting one. I I'm excited to see the two opposite brackets of Baylor and uh, Gonzaga. And honestly, and I don't, will say,
3: I, yeah, and I will say Baylor. You know, they just came off of a, a rocky game against. Um, Iowa State that they won by six, but before that, their largest margin was always above eight points. They, haven't, they had they beat every team by at least eight points, and that hadn't been done since like the early '90s. So, so I mean, like yeah, their fo- strength of schedule. Exactly, they look like a football team. I mean, they they talk about it on the broadcast like any of these guys can play tied in the NFL. I'm like, they've had guys like Regal Gathers, He went to the NFL. I mean, yeah. it, that's just really how they play. I mean, that's always been their brand, right? And you, you talk about strength of schedule, but they're getting they're handling it. You know, they're getting these games done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's 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 going to be interesting to see what they can do if they can come out of the Big Twelve unscathed that tournament then I'm full speed ahead on them. Because I do think the Big 12 is dangerous. You're going to come across a couple teams. Even though this Kansas team is not as good as always, you're going to come across a couple teams who can really get a knife in you um, and do some damage. Big news this week, though. uh, Tiger Woods, a guy we all love. Car accident. He's going to be okay as far as he's going to survive. We don't know what the longevity situation is like with his legs. Um, It seems like it could be pretty paramount to his career. Is he the most influential athlete to his sport of all time?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I'd say yes, 100%. You know, you obviously look at Michael Jordan for basketball, and but what Tiger Woods did for the game, he transformed the game of golf. Not only of having uh, people that don't all look the same start to want to play golf, but look at what it did for the ratings. Uh, and really, you want to talk about it from a business standpoint, uh, they're gonna get hit hard in the masters without having tiger woods he could go shoot 25 over yeah and people will still tune in to see mm-hmm. if he can recapture the magic or watch that one shot but you know you look at what he did with nike you look at how he made playing golf cool that's what tiger woods did he made it cool he brought swag you look at the fist pump you look at wearing the sunday red and he changed a whole generation's view of how you look at a sport and i don't know if there's a better example. Uh, other than maybe Jackie Robinson in baseball when that happened, that really kind of happened that way. I, I think without a doubt
3: it's tight. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. I mean, he's got his own video game too, so that really get gets like the youth, you know, excited about something like that. You know, I mean, that game came out, I think, when we were like five or six years old and really? it's still going strong. And I mean, he's been on, you know, he's been the cover athlete for, for um, you know, ESPN a bunch of times and he's got all the publicity in the world. I mean, you're right. he's He's an icon. I mean, regardless of what sport it is, I mean, he's just an influential athlete. Mm-hmm.
0: He is, of my lifetime, undoubtedly the most influential athlete, with Michael Jordan being one B, I think that Michael Jordan's impact beyond just the game of basketball in terms of the commercialization of the game, how he and Nike hand-in-hand hand, grew to be the largest sporting company in the world. And that relationship was essential to the growth of both his own personal brand and the Nike brand as well. Michael Jordan was the coolest thing on the entire plan. Yeah. And, but at the same time, he stood on the shoulders of Bird and Magic, and so he did not have, they did not have the room, the same room for growth, right? Mm-hmm. That Golf did, especially as it comes to Capturing a younger audience, which is what all these sports are trying to do, right? Whereas the whereas the money, it's eighteen to forty nine year old men, is the most coveted demographic for any sport. And what Tiger did is he brought that demographic to golf because before that it's a bunch of old white dudes. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but that's what it is. Yeah, it's no longer a, th-
4: it's no longer a three PM on the couch, maybe my eyes are open, maybe my eyes are closed, kind of sport, right? It completely changes it. You're you're captivated by every every single swing.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I, yeah. I think that if we're going to go further back, I think there are two. There are two people that are, I think, on that same level. One of them is Muhammad Ali. Yep. yep. Because of, and now maybe that is your question of it relate to his sport, to so the sport of boxing. Yes, he was extraordinarily important, but not maybe to the same level. But his importance as an athlete at large cannot be compared with anybody else of of any generation except for maybe tiger right but they're very 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 different athletes ali socially conscious and his uh his stand his time in jail all that sort of adds to the myth of ali Hmm. tiger did a completely different thing for his sport but also but in that same way brought an entire new audience to his sport the other person i think we need to talk about at least is babe ruth yeah, so Babe Ruth thinking... brought baseball from the dead ball era and a, a niche sport to being America's pastime. And Babe Ruth is the... Now, obviously, yes, he played in an era when there were no non-white players. He played in an era when, you know, it was obviously much smaller league, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, smaller talent pool, but his outsized personality his outsized physical body stomach and and his outsized um power uh, way that he changed the game of baseball and the way that baseball was approached from being like you know a uh nl baseball to the max right Bunning guys over sacrificing everything like that to the long ball he basically he broke the home run record like 13 different times he was hitting
1: he was, more home runs than teams combined
0: yes yeah, exactly he, he and was so, the launch angle yes <laughs> he he was i mean he like he is exits he's exit velocity yeah. like he you know babe ruth is exit velocity and launch angle so i think that if you're talking about tra- changing the games themselves i think babe ruth is on the same level as tiger if you're talking about l- influential at large for an athlete I think Ali is on the same level as Tiger but that's my big three mm-hmm. and I think you can throw Jordan on if you want trying to make a, a Mount Rushmore there I think you could consider Serena um if you want for your Mount Rushmore and I think that you know there might be a couple other people like a little bit more at the periphery but I think those are sort of my it for me it's it there, there's three and then there's a drop off
4: well, I think there's like a there's a litmus test, right? For for like that athlete that's transcendent to the time period that they're playing in, and mm-hmm. part of that has to do with I talked about it with like fringe football fans, right? But it's fringe sports fans. It's people or, or or people that are not even sports fans. And you watch with like the Last Dance and this Tiger documentary that HBO just released. How many people watch these things and are just completely captivated? Especially the ones who weren't able to witness it when it happened yeah. live, right? And it's like they're Glued. just transcendent talents, and Tiger and Jordan alike. Both of those, as long as the other people, as well as the other people you just mentioned, Matt, all do that when they play the game. I mean, my girlfriend is not a sports fan, but when she watches Michael Jordan play basketball, she says that's amazing. You know, it's it's that type of performance by these athletes, and Tiger is just top notch. And especially in a sport where. If you don't understand the game, it's by nature not that not that interesting, not that enticing. But when you do, right. it's um it's even more unbelievable yeah, what he's done. remarkable. Can we throw Phelps
1: into the mix? Not just yeah. for what he did is for swimming, just for the Olympic Games, him and Bolt. I mean, look, the, it, you were talking about we're talking and
0: about. Then you have to put in Jesse Owens too. Yeah. Well, you got to put in Mark Spitz, too. But
1: if we're mm-hmm. talking in a time where, we're, you know, in, in this, and it, maybe it's tough to kind of compare yeah, those it, guys.
0: You're, once you're going across eras, I mean, you, I would say you have to put in Jesse Owens, you have to put in Mark Spitz, you have to put in Nadia Comaneci. Of course. You have to. But there's the television
1: there. aspect of things where we, if you're. Yeah, absolutely. When Phelps is in the mix and he had that one run, he had many runs, but the run where he's going to break Spitz's record, mm-hmm. you're glue every freaking race. Every qualifier, you're glued to your TV. Mm -hmm. People watch that. The Olympics was hot. And I've always been a fan of the Olympics. uh, But I've come to appreciate the World Cup more, honestly. But when he was in there, what he did for the Olympics was incredible. Him and Bolt as well.
4: Well, I think the only thing between them and and a guy like Tiger, a guy like Michael, um, a guy like, it's not as frequent. And that takes away with, yes, there's kind of that specialty to when you do get to watch him, it is really amazing. But the nature of, uh, you know, that we get X amount of... We get four majors that we get to watch Tiger compete in every single year. That's four different times a year instead of one time every four years, right? Mm -hmm. So that frequency plays a big part into it. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Yeah, It's tough, especially like... And if you're talking about just dominance, obviously in his heyday, Tiger is as dominant an athlete we've seen. Um, The other person, at least contemporary, would be Simone Biles. Simone Biles is the most dominant gymnast in history. Yeah, And no one... Like, the only person who can push Simone is Simone and it's it's I don't know if you guys saw the 60 minutes special on her no, yeah. I think it was two weeks last week or two weeks ago go back and watch it if you haven't it's um it's, it's amazing and the stuff that she personally has been through in her life she is one of the most breathtaking athletes that I have ever seen
1: we'll peep that for sure uh gents we always ask our guest the same question everyone's gotten it all right Crane will start with you. It could be from you playing, could be from you watching. Anything. What is your favorite sports memory of all time?
2: Oh man, uh, I would say, I mean, it's got to be the kick six, uh, Auburn versus Alabama. Where were you? Uh, oh wow, Chris
3: just, Davis.
2: I'll never forget. We had just—I was coaching at South Alabama, and we had just played uh, Georgia State in the dome in Atlanta, and we're on the bus back to mobile and you know we were fortunate enough to be able to have the game on the bus and you know me my dad played for auburn i'm from there and uh Kevin chair was our defensive coordinator who was with uh saban uh two years before that and he's been around the sec and he's sitting two rows in front of me and i'm watching it and i'll never forget because i was a special teams coordinator and i'll never forget watching chris davis run back there and just thinking to myself how crazy would it be if this was short? I was like, I think the kid's got enough leg; he'll probably yank it because that's what they do when they over swing. But right when he hit it, even from the angle I saw, and I saw how high the ball went, I knew it was going to be short. But when you are an Auburn fan and you, you grow up and you've watched, you know, what Nick Saban has done, uh, you know, I was alive during the Tuberville eras when they won six in a row, and now you watch what Saban has done. To me. It was almost an out-of-body experience. It was like watching Chris Davis run in slow motion, come this close to the sideline. Because to be honest with you, Alabama people don't think Auburn people deserve to walk on the same side of the street as they do. And when you grow up and and you look at and you're being told and you go to Mobile and it's all Alabama fans and you go to Birmingham and it's all Alabama fans – and, you know, they think you don't deserve to, to go in the same uh, – watch the same games as they do, go in the same bars as they do. They make fun of you for not being a state school. I'm watching Chris Davis put that dagger in them. I don't care how many national championships they win. They'll always be part of the biggest playing college football history almost. And it happened to them, and they'll be chasing Chris Davis forever. So at the end of the day, when I watched that, uh, it was almost a religious experience. And uh, <laughs> hearing Rod Bramblet make the call, who passed away two years later in a car crash, uh, who was a big part of Auburn, you know, I look at that and it just brings a smile to my face and lets you know that, you know, at the end of the day, the little brother grows up, and if you don't watch your mouth, you're gonna get your ass kicked in front of everybody. Or
3: eagle.
1: That was so <laughs> <Yeah>. passionate. <laughs> that was beautiful, uh, Perkins. Yeah, the pa- I can't not well, much to say on that. I remember watching different. that. Yeah, Mine go for you, is Perkins. Different.
0: So. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I played rugby for 10 years. Uh, I was a collegiate rugby player. What is your life? After I graduated <laughs> you from cover college. Vandy, you
1: Wisconsin fan. You went to UCLA, and then you played rugby for 10 years? Yeah, so after I graduated college. I need a I 60 minutes on you, dude. That's yeah, what that I need.
4: time machine. Yeah, uh,
0: literally. I, um, I moved to Australia to play semi-pro rugby after I graduated college. Um, moved back to the States, moved to L.A., Uh, And was playing for Santa Monica Dolphins in the Pacific Rugby Premiership, which is the top league in America. And in my first cap, my first first team cap, you know, my first first team appearance, we played uh, our rival team, Belmont Shore. And Belmont Shore was the best team in the country. They were ranked number one. And we were, you know, we we were decent that year. But the best player on our team from the previous year left our club to go join Belmont Shore because he's like, I want to play for the best.
1: Reverse Aaron Banks.
0: <laughs> and so he was basically. So he, he's like, you know, you guys aren't good enough for me. He was an he was an eagle. He was an yeah. you know, he represented America in the World Cup, and he said, you know, you guys aren't good enough. You guys aren't cutting it. So I'm going to go over and play Belmont Shore. And he go and it's our first game against him. And I, I'm glad I never particularly cared for him, anyways, just as a person in general. So um, in our first game, our first game against them, they're the number one team of the country. We came in undefeated. We were ranked number seven or number eight. And it was the most hard-fought, ridiculous rugby game I've ever been a part of. I get my first, my first action as a first-team player uh, on the team, and it was against the toughest opponent. Um, I, I go in there and I'm playing. I don't do anything remarkable myself, but we won the game on a on a drop kick mid-play with less than a minute left, and it was one of the most spectacular plays. I've ever been a part of, I don't know how much you guys know about rugby. Not or particularly rugby. A lot. Okay, I know the so, Haka.
1: And I watched yeah, that. So, I watched that religiously.
0: So, well, our starting fly half, who's, I guess you'd say kind of like a point guard, yeah. if you will. Kind of like um, he's somewhere between like a, a point guard and a quarterback. He played for the all blacks and he was playing, he, he had come, and it was his first season on our team. And um, after he had finished his pro career in New Zealand and he was he, the best player I've ever played with far and away. And like these teams I was playing on, like we had guys from all over the world. We had our guys on our team had, were capped were by South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Kenya, uh, Argentina, and, you know, Fiji, all over the world, like really, really high level rugby, the best rugby you can play in America. And we're playing against Belmont Shore, who has all these dudes too. And it's, we're coming close, coming close. It's down to the end of the game. We're down 27 to 25. I think it was about 50 seconds left. Uh, our fly half drop kicks in the middle of the play. It's not even a set piece. He's just running and drop kicks the ball right between the uprights, three points. We win the game, beat Belmont Shore for the first time in like nine years. And just as a team, it was such an experience because rugby is such a communal sport. And the yeah. camaraderie of a rugby team is unlike anything else that I have experienced in my life. And, you know, every team has a song that they sing, you know, at the drink-ups after the matches or even just at the end of the match. Our team's song, for some reason, is Sloop John B. by the Beach Boys. And after the game, uh, we just, it just broke out. The team broke out in song, and I was crying while screaming the lyrics to Sloop John B. And I just – I would never felt – like you said, Jake, like it was a religious experience to experience a kick-six like that. It was a religious experience to be on that team, part of a group that did something so remarkable in that moment. So for me, that was my, you know, I I didn't, I was not like, I was a sub. I was not like a special player of the game, anything like that. But just to be part of a group that did something that we thought we never thought we'd be able to do. We we, we believed like, so we're like, yeah, we can beat them, blah, 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 blah. But it was never like, oh yeah, like we weren't the favorite. Like we were huge underdogs. We were, you know, same amount of underdogs. Auburn was playing Alabama in that, in that iron bowl. So it, that feeling of overcoming that and then being there with my boys, like my best friends in most of my best friends in the world, guys I played rugby with for that run, for that reason, because you have, that you you go through those trials with those people and there's so much ups and downs and heartache and triumph and everything that just comes together like that in that one moment just it all just sort of like it overwhelmed me like I felt like I was Andy Dufresne after I'd crawled out of Shawshank. <laughs> like, just like everything was just like spooned your way out and you free, of man. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, 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 I guess, so for me personally, like that's my, that's my moment. That, that's, I love it, man. Both those
1: are amazing. I gotta be honest. Those are two of the best told moments. I'm not even just saying this Two of the best told we've done so many of these. There's a two of the best uh, moments we've heard told. I mean the, the emotion in yours, Perkins, and the ferocity in yours, Crane. I will never watch the kick six without thinking of literally a spirit leave your body, uh, Dude, like Casper I could have the Ghost. The bus, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody brought their bags in from under the bus. Jake was just like got everybody's bag, bringing them in, throwing them uh, on my yeah. back.
2: I'm just turning around looking for the first person like to to punch in the face. No, I'm just. <laughs> but it was literally like they talk about like the woman who's like she lifted a car because her baby was under, and he's like, man, no, she didn't. But now I'm like, dog, she did.
3: Dog. <laughs> (laughs)
1: she lifted it with one arm uh gents amazing stuff thank you for popping on with us uh perkins we'll start with you plug them you know the drill
0: Uh, all right well you can check me out on uh the illegal motion college football podcast we're going weekly right now with uh, fcs season in full swing Uh, believe in vanderbilt we've gone on a little bit of a winter break my co-host uh ryan seymour former vandy player and nfl player has been just moved up to Nashville from Atlanta, so he's kind of getting settled in. We should be back sometime next week. Uh, our last show, though, make sure you check that out. Uh, we uh, interviewed one of new uh, coach Clark Lee's former teammates, uh, who's a high school head coach in the Nashville area. And uh, that was a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. And then uh, Believe in Badger Football, uh, you're gonna check us out way more on Instagram than anything else. I've been doing a bunch of graphic design work and really? i also run the uh rivals uh the rivals portal instagram page so check us out there for <laughs> the transfer portal what don't uh, you what
4: don't you do matt
0: yeah you're uh, you're like the, you're like the raiden of rivals dog yeah absolutely.
4: Sleep. yeah
3: he's like he's like the rock of the believe network
1: you literally the rock of the believe network it's that is ridiculous.
2: doing what I, i'm doing what i can guys i'm doing what i can you're a
1: so. beast uh speaking of another beast crane plug him, man
2: Oh, yeah. Well, number one, I appreciate coming on here with you guys. Man had a always, good brother. time. But, yeah, check us out at the J-Boy Show uh, on Twitter and Instagram, at the J-Boy Show uh, on YouTube as well. Uh, always, we go five days a week, sometimes more depending on what goes down. Uh, just had Hugh Freeze, Houston Nutt. Uh, got Booger McFarland coming up this week on Monday. Hey, uh, Brandon Graham from the Eagles talking about the strip sack story. Tell us about how he used to beat up on Taylor Lewan and Jake Long in practice all the time uh, as well. But also – Uh, Friday, we got Rick Martinez, who's the head physician of the NFL. He's also one of the people that's overseeing this Tiger Woods situation, so he's going to walk us through exactly what happens when something like this happens, uh, what exactly is going on with his leg, will he be able to come back. Uh, He was also the National Highway. uh, I'm trying to think of it for President Clinton as well. He's one of the most well-renowned people uh, in the world and uh, actually looked after Tom Brady and the Bucks in the Super Bowl. So check us out there. Uh, We're always keeping it real, no politics. And uh, we have a good time.
1: Yes, no politics is right. That's that is the beauty of the sports podcast world.
0: Yeah, Jake is an absolute beast. By the way, I am. I am so. I'm trying in to get aw- like you, Matt. I, I'm. I'm so in awe of you, dude. Like you are. You are <laughs> someone I look up to immensely like the, your, your grind like I don't know anyone who grinds like you do so
2: it is wild well, I, mean, amazing I, I appreciate that you know how I feel about you man And I'm, look I'm one of the biggest fans of Believe in Vandy Believe in Badger Football the Rivals porters uh, Portal that time you were in the CIA for six years we can't talk about all the other stuff <laughs> Your surfing you
1: yeah your surfing career and
0: now I'm gonna have to come down and find <laughs> you in <elimination. laughs> now you gotta go get
1: debriefed man. yeah we're <laughs> about to walk
0: in the oak tree and
1: get in the elevator we're gonna tag the CIA Instagram I'm pretty sure the FBI in the cia have an instagram at this point so there's literally no holds barred there's no more secrets it's all About over enough. yeah gents always a pleasure take care appreciate it an awesome one it was so nice it's when you have guys that good on the mic and we have it often you can get just sit back and relax and let them talk and do their thing and so knowledgeable um we talked to them a lot off air um, but it's always crazy to see how that translates on the mic, because it doesn't always. It's tough. I mean, I don't wanna like make it seem like we're doing rocket science out here, but you know, it's it is different than just being buddy buddy on the couch. Um, and these guys are two talents in the mic. So Jake Perkins, thank you guys for joining us today. And also, we gotta remind you guys there's just there's not just Bet Online. Okay? There are multiple sponsors on this show. And one of the sponsors, I think everyone already knows who it is. And I don't want to give away any spoilers. But this sponsor is phenomenal. And we love them. And we're so stoked to have them. Um, And I'm trying to pull up the ad read right now. um, But I'll give you a small hint. You go there and you buy sneakers. And I'll give you another small hint. It starts with a letter, a vowel, and is the second part of Tampa Bay. Yep, that's right. eBay. Go to eBay, guys. Sneakerheads. If you want to buy phenomenal sneakers, go to eBay. I don't truthfully, I don't like sneakers. I think it's not for me, but I did go check it out because they are a sponsor. And if you're gonna buy sneakers, I would buy it there. Truthfully. I'm not even I wouldn't bullshit you. If I didn't like the sponsor, I wouldn't have it on the show. But I do, and I think it's worthwhile. And if you were to buy sneakers, that would be the place to buy it. And I did run it by my friends who are sneakerheads. I have a couple friends who are serious sneakerheads, and they're big eBay guys. So it's legit. It's endorsed by those who purchase sneakers and me who looked it up and dug it. Go to eBay right now. Sell, collect, buy sneakers. We love them. We love you guys, we loved our guests. We love my co-hosts. And the fans out there, drag both feet in bounds, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they're free, and hit your free throws because March Madness is right around the corner because they're free. We out you. We love
4: you. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we are in here talking
2: about
3: practice.
0: Clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History point of oh! Tie game! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Oh! He's going for the corner. He's got it. Bases loaded. Two out.